Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, March 4th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Russian forces occupy Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Stocks drop as the war in Ukraine escalates. Commodities wrap up a historic week as oil and metals soar. And investors look ahead to the February jobs report. New York City Mayor Adams could announce today easing COVID restrictions. Plus, the blowback from Moscow's invasion in Ukraine hits Russian-connected gas stations in Newark. I'm Michael bar more ahead i'm john stanchow in sports kevin durant returned to the nets lineup they still lost to the heat in brooklyn the islanders lost to vancouver that's all straight ahead on bloomberg daybreak on bloomberg 1130 new york bloomberg 99.1 washington dc bloomberg 1061 boston bloomberg 960 san francisco sirius xm 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good Friday morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. futures are falling as war risks intensify. It's coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 38 points this morning. Dow futures down 283, and NASDAQ futures down 124. The 10-year Treasury up 1730 seconds, yield 1.78%, and the yield on the two-year 1.48%. NYMEX crude oil is up one and a third percent, up a dollar 41 at $109.07 a barrel. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll get back to markets in a minute. But the stakes have been raised even higher now in Russia's war with Ukraine. Russian forces are now occupying Europe's largest nuclear plant after shelling at the facility overnight sparked a fire. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Europe needs to wake up. If there is an explosion, that's the end for everyone, the end for Europe, the evacuation of Europe. Only urgent action by Europe can stop the Russian troops. Do not allow the death of Europe from a catastrophe at a nuclear power station. President Zelensky is appealing to Russian President Vladimir Putin to meet with him as the only way to stop the war. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the world stands ready to assist Ukraine. We seek no conflict, but if conflict comes to us, we're ready for it. And we will defend every inch of NATO territory. Secretary Blinken is meeting today with NATO ministers in Brussels. The White House says President Biden is being briefed on the situation, but right now the U.S. is not detecting elevated radiation levels at the nuclear site. Meanwhile, the rush to flee Ukraine, Nathan, has forced some very tough decisions for more than a million people. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has more. Over a million people with a forecast of possibly four million more refugees. And Neil Shaker, the international deputy director of Refugee International, tells Bloomberg families are being split up. Um, sometimes if it's just a father puts this child on a bus and he arrives in Poland, the, the father may stay to help. So unaccompanied children are arriving and they need extra protections. And some of these are only on 14-day temporary visas. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. As the U.S. and allies choke off investor demand for Russian assets, parts of Wall Street are jumping on the buying opportunity. Sources say Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase have been purchasing beaten-down company bonds tied to Russia in recent days. 
The Russian stock market remains closed, Nathan, while stocks in Europe plunge over the latest developments in Ukraine. Let's go live to London and get the latest live with the Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. It's the longest ever shutdown of the Moscow Stock Exchange as the Kremlin continues to attempt to stave off the impact of global sanctions for domestic investors. The exchange has confirmed it will remain closed until at least Wednesday of next week. Since the Moscow market was last open a week ago, Russian stocks listed in London have lost more than 90% of their value before getting suspended. Stocks opened lower across Europe this morning on news of that overnight Ukrainian nuclear power plant fire, and they've continued to sell off York Stocks 100, uh, trading down some 3%, on course for its worst week since March 2020. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. We also saw losses in Asia overnight. Let's get the recap on that from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell to a fresh 16-month low weighed down by losses in Japan and Hong Kong. The Nikkei 225 paired earlier losses of as much as 3%. It closed lower by 2.2% in Tokyo. Chinese tech players were dumped with an index of tech shares listed in Hong Kong falling to its lowest since inception and the H shares index is trading near a six-year low. Over the course of the week, the MSCI Asia-Pacific index fell by as much as 1.8%, its third weekly loss. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Commodities are wrapping up a historic week as Russia's invasion of Ukraine roils markets. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Soaring commodities prices from crude to aluminum and wheat are adding to hot inflationary pressures. That's hurting consumers and fueling concerns over an economic slowdown. And as a result, the Bloomberg Commodity Spot Index has rallied more than 9% this week. Oil is headed for its biggest weekly surge in almost two years. Brent crude, which almost hit $120 yesterday, is trading at just over $111 a barrel right now. Prices for wheat, aluminum, nickel, and crude are all expected to continue rising, and this all comes as many raw materials are facing low stockpiles. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Despite the surge in oil prices and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Fed Chair Jay Powell is sticking to plans to raise rates beginning later this month. I would be recommending and supporting a, a, a one quarter of one percent interest rate increase at our March meeting. If we don't see inflation behaving as we expect it to behave, which is to peak and begin to come down, if we see inflation behaving in ways not consistent with that, then we're prepared to raise by more than that amount in a, in a meeting or meetings. Fed Chair Jay Powell reiterated the rate hike plan during two days of congressional testimony. And Nathan, the Fed's next major economic data point comes later this morning with the release of the February jobs report. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The consensus is that as the Omicron COVID variant faded in February, hiring probably picked up. Analysts forecast another large gain in jobs restored and a drop in the unemployment rate back below 4%. Although the Russian war will cap the impact of this employment report, Federal Reserve officials will be interested in the strength of hourly earnings as they watch for signs high inflation may be becoming embedded in the economy. The Fed is also interested in the labor force participation rate, how many people are out looking for a job. This week, Chairman Jay Powell told Congress policymakers don't know why so many people are staying home, but he expressed hope that hiring will pick up as COVID eases. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. S&P futures now down 32 points. Dow futures down 246, and NASDAQ futures lower by 102 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're 21 degrees in Central Park and a vehicle fire is slowing down the northbound FDR drive through the 70s. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. This could be a big day in New York City's progress against COVID-19. Mayor Eric Adams could announce as soon as today to lift mask mandates in schools and vaccination requirements in restaurants, bars, and theaters. While infections, hospitalizations, and deaths continue, the move by Adams could signal a turning point in the pandemic to a return to normalcy. Meanwhile, New York City's health department says COVID hospitalizations saw the biggest racial gap during Omicron. Black New Yorkers were hospitalized at two times the rate of white New Yorkers during during the winter Omicron surge. Gas prices have shot up across the country due in large part to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's causing a sharp rise in oil prices. In North Carolina, the price for a gallon of regular at an Exxon gas station in Raleigh hit close to $4.20. This Raleigh mom says even her teenagers are feeling the pinch. I have kids that just started driving. I know that they're loving the experience, but even they are completely overwhelmed by the end of their paycheck. You know, how do I get back and forth to work? Los Angeles is now averaging more than $5. Outraged by the invasion of Ukraine, lawmakers in New Jersey's largest city took aim at the Russian franchise Luke Oil gas stations. The Newark City Council voted unanimously to suspend the service station's operating licenses, citing Luke Oil's base in Moscow. However, the stations are franchises owned by locals, not Russians, and they employ mostly New Jersey residents. President Joe Biden signed bipartisan legislation that prohibits the use of forced arbitration and sexual assault and harassment claims in the workplace. President Biden says the Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act ends a secretive practice that is often used to shield perpetrators from full and public accountability. There will be cases where victims want their claims resolved in private, but some survivors will want their day in court, and that should be their choice and nobody else's choice. President Biden says the new law profoundly changes the way businesses handle sexual abuse allegations. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. Welcome back, Kevin Durant. First game for the Nets after missing 21 with a knee injury. Same old KD, 31 points in 35 minutes. But the Nets lost at Barclays to the East City Miami Heat. 113-107. The Heat were coming off a blown lead and a one-point loss the night before in Milwaukee. So they gave three starters the night off. But Bam Adebayo played. He scored 30. And the Nets have now lost 16 of their last 19 Drop down to 500. Doesn't get any easier. A game Sunday in Boston. Celtics last night beat Memphis. They've won 13 of 15. The Knicks, like the Nets, losers of 16 the last 19. And talk about not getting any easier. Knicks tonight in Phoenix. The Suns are 50 and 12. Best record in the NBA. UBS Arena. Islanders had a third period lead. Vancouver, two goals, 45 seconds apart. Midway through the third, the Canucks won four to three. So they went two and one on their tour of the three. New York area teams, the Isles, have now lost eight of the last 11. College hoops, rare loss for Iona in Riverdale. Manhattan scored with a second left, one by two. Iona has dominated the MAC, but 
needs to win the upcoming conference tournament to gain entry to the NCAA. The big college basketball story is the game tomorrow. North Carolina at Duke, the final home game for Duke's legendary coach, Mike Krzyzewski. I've tried never to look in the past too much or in the future, but, uh, you know, a little bit of thinking yesterday, it's your last game in Cameron, right? It's crazy. He's coached at Duke for 42 years. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. S&P futures now down 32 points. Dow futures down 261. NASDAQ futures on the decline by 102 points. The 10-year Treasury now up 17.30 seconds, yield 1.78%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine upper 30s. Today will be in the upper 40s, turning cloudy tomorrow. Scattered showers, breezy and mild for Sunday with a high near 65 degrees. Right now it's 21 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower as war risks intensify after a Ukrainian nuclear power plant briefly caught fire. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 34 points. Dow futures down 263. And Nasdaq futures down at 97. The DAX in Germany is down three and a quarter percent. Ten-year Treasury up 16.30 seconds. Yield 1.78 percent. The yield on the two-year 1.49 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.9 percent of $2.25 at a $109.92 a barrel. COMEX gold is up six tenths percent or $11.50 at 1947.40 an ounce. The euro 1.1013 against the dollar. British pound 1.3305. The yen at 115.43. Bitcoin this morning moving lower, down more than 1% at $41,640. And we are today watching for the February jobs report at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. More on that fire you mentioned. Ukrainian authorities say a fire at Europe's biggest nuclear plant ignited by Russia shelling has been extinguished in that Russian forces have taken control of the site. Ukraine's state nuclear regulator says no changes in radiation levels have been recorded so far. Donald Trump Jr.'s fiancé has been subpoenaed to testify before the House January 6th committee. The subpoena says Kimberly Guilfoyle met with Donald Trump at the White House, spoke at the rally before the January 6th riot, and helped organize and raise money for the event. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost, the Celtics won. In the NHL, the Islanders lost, the Bruins and Capitals won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson, is back with us this morning on the latest developments in Ukraine, not the least of which, of course, is Russian forces now occupying the largest nuclear power plant in Europe after bringing it under pretty heavy fire overnight. Rosalind, what's the latest? The latest is that there was a brief fire at a training centre in the vicinity of this plant overnight after what Ukraine and the IAEA says was shelling by Russian forces. That fire, thankfully, has been 
extinguished. There's no sign of any radiation damage or leak and no injuries in that. But certainly when you have this kind of uh, shelling occurring in such proximity to nuclear power assets, it has to raise concern. And you can see that in the comments from European officials and others uh, this morning. You can see it in the comments from the U.S. president overnight, just the concern about where this conflict is going and just how much risk is coming in, that something happens that takes this conflict well outside Ukraine's own borders. Yeah, we heard the alarm from the uh, foreign minister of Ukraine, Dmitry Kalebo, uh, saying that a, an explosion at this particular plant would be 10 times larger than Chernobyl. And, of course, we saw the uh, activity around the Chernobyl plant as well. What could this say about this phase of the war now? What Russia could be planning? Well, certainly it suggests that at least, at the very least, there's indiscriminate shelling going on. In a, in a conflict, you do get these kind of incidents where stuff happens that perhaps is unintended. But similarly, they do know what this area contains, which is this enormous nuclear power plant. And in their efforts to take control of it, it's possible that the shelling occurred. It, it, in a way, it suggests, again, the, the desperate efforts by Russian troops to make up some ground here after being bogged down, at least in the northern part of the country, for days and the tactics that they're resorting to to do so. It just fits the pattern of a real heightening of the aerial bombardment that's been going on on key cities across the country now for a couple of days. A number of Ukrainian officials, including the uh, energy minister of Ukraine, who spoke to Bloomberg Television overnight, are uh, reiterating their calls for a no-fly zone to be set up. Is that something that's on the table for the U.S. and NATO, the idea of a no-fly zone? Uh, not at this stage, no. NATO ministers meeting in Brussels to have made it very clear that that's not something that they could entertain, despite those pleas from the Ukrainian government, including the president. That's because what happens in a no-fly zone, trying to police that airspace, is you would have NATO aircraft confronting Russian aircraft to try and keep them out of that area. And that means you have a scenario where NATO planes are firing on Russian aircraft and that means the conflict has gone from being Russia and Ukraine and being Russia and Europe uh, as a whole, including NATO, including the U.S. And that's not something that they say that they can entertain at this point in time. Also, the Russian aircraft capacity inside Ukraine is pretty intense at the moment. So actually, a way, it, it's questions whether they could even enforce it if they wanted to because of the superiority of the Russian Air Force in that area. But right now, very clear messaging from NATO that this is not something that they can do. Well, what are we expecting to come out on the diplomatic front? You mentioned NATO ministers meeting. Secretary of State Antony Blinken as well is in Brussels. We had those uh, second rounds of talks yesterday between Ukrainian and Russian diplomats. What, if anything, is coming out of all this? Very little at this point from the diplomatic side, at least. There were that second round of talks between officials from Russia and Ukraine yesterday. They said there was some progress, in quote marks, towards agreeing a potential humanitarian corridor for Ukrainians to leave the country, but nothing tangible, no promise, and certainly no details yet on whether another, when the next round of talks on that might even happen. The diplomatic front is really focused around condemnation at this point, the hard stuff is coming from the sanctions and penalties aimed at the Russian economy uh, and its senior leaders. And there's more expected on that front in the next couple of days. In our last 30 seconds here, are we seeing any signs of off-ramps for Russia coming out of the sanctions that have been imposed so far? 
Uh, not at this stage. And in fact, some of these sanctions won't even take effect for weeks or months um, on certain parts of the economy. And so the effect of it won't be felt yet, uh, despite the, the unease and the panic you can see on the ground amongst ordinary consumers in Russia. So the pressure point from that is yet to come. And that might give the Russian president some breathing space. Thanks, as always, and for the help throughout this very difficult week. Rosalind Matheson, our executive editor for International Government for Bloomberg News, keeping us on top of what's happening in the war in Ukraine, now into a ninth day, and the Russian forces now occupying the largest nuclear power plant in Europe in southeastern Ukraine. Right now, S&P futures are down 26 points. Dow futures are down 210. NASDAQ futures are lower by 70 points. Up ahead, commodities wrap up an extremely volatile week. And we look ahead to February jobs as we check your top stories of the morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny upper 30s today. It'll turn cloudy to start the weekend. Tomorrow's high in the upper 40s. We'll have scattered showers, a breeze, and a high in the mid-60s by Sunday. Right now, 21 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Russia is now occupying the largest nuclear site in Europe. Overnight shelling started a fire at the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Ukrainian Energy Minister Herman Halashenko tells us this raises the stakes in the war. One example of Zaporizhia could be repeated in in uh, in the other stations uh, on the other units and and that's why we ask for clothing the sky we we don't see any other possibilities Herman Haloshenko spoke on Bloomberg Television. The U.S. Energy Department says it's activated its nuclear incident response team, but right now it doesn't see elevated radiation levels. Well, U.S. futures and stocks overseas, Karen, are falling as the war escalates. S&P 500 futures are down about a half percent right now. Major European averages and stocks in Asia are down between 2 and 3 percent. And commodities are wrapping up a historic week, Nathan, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine royals markets. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Soaring commodities prices from crude to aluminum and wheat are adding to hot inflationary pressures. That's hurting consumers and fueling concerns over an economic slowdown. Oil is heading for its biggest weekly surge in almost two years. Brent crude, which is almost... It almost hit $120 yesterday. It's trading right now at just over $112 a barrel. Prices for wheat, aluminum, nickel, and crude are all expected to continue rising. And this all comes as many raw materials are facing low stockpiles. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Investors are also bracing for the February jobs report. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Vinny Del Judice. 
U.S. payroll growth probably topped 400,000 in February. That would follow a solid January gain of 467,000. Bloomberg Economics says workers have incentive to return after the pandemic, citing rising wages as well as the end of emergency assistance. Labor shortages persist, and the number of workers collecting unemployment benefits is at a half-century low. Vinny Dell, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Turning to stocks on the move, shares of Smith & Wesson down almost 20% this morning. The gunmaker's third quarter sales missed estimates, and Gap is up more than 7%. The retailer gave an optimistic projection for the current year. Futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down 25 points. Dow futures down 206. NASDAQ futures down 63. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 533 on Wall Street, 21 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with a car fire on FDR Drive. It's northbound at 71st Street. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Nathan, thank you, sir. An important milestone in New York City's progress against COVID-19 could soon arrive when Mayor Eric Adams lifts mask mandates in schools and vaccination requirements in restaurants, bars, and theaters. The mayor says a decision could come as soon as today, a long-awaited development in a city that was once the epicenter of a deadly pandemic. While infections, hospitalizations, and deaths continue, the move by Adams could signal a turning point in the pandemic by firmly shifting the focus on recovery and a return to normalcy. Outraged by the invasion of Ukraine, lawmakers in New Jersey's largest city lashed out at symbols of Russia in their city, a pair of Luke Oil gas stations. The Newark City Council voted unanimously to suspend the service station's operating licenses, citing Luke Oil's base in Moscow. However, the stations are franchises owned by locals, not Russians, and they employ mostly New Jersey residents. President Biden has signed a law preventing companies from forcing sexual assault or harassment victims into secret arbitration and settlements. Between half and three-quarters of all women report that they have faced some form of sexual harassment in the workplace. And too often, they're denied a voice and a fair chance to do anything about it. Vice President Kamala Harris also made the announcement with the president. Forced arbitration silences survivors of sexual assault and harassment. It shields predators instead of holding them accountable and gives corporations a powerful tool to hide abuse and misconduct. Harris and President Biden praised both parties for ending the right for companies to require workers to sign agreements that force an out-of-court sexual harassment settlement. Governor Phil Murphy is including property tax relief checks in the annual spending plan he will introduce next week with an average $700 plan for New Jersey homeowners, making as much as $250,000 a year. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. Knicks and Nets have the exact same record over the last 19 games, and it's not good. 3-16. and 16. Nets, for the most part, because of the Kevin Durant injury. He returned last night at Barclays, his first game in 47 days. Nets still lost to Miami, 113-107. KD scored 31 points. I feel great. I feel great. I'm only going to get better, more comfortable out there. Um... You know, take more of the load out there too. Uh, pause when I get um when I get you know more games under my belt. So uh, 
Nets visit Boston Sunday. Another loss drops them under 500. Knicks are in Phoenix tonight. Suns are 50 and 12. That's 23 games ahead of the Lakers, who just got blown out by the Clippers. Dallas beats slumping Golden State. Luka Doncic, 41 points. Near triple double. Warriors have lost five of the last six. The Islanders have lost eight of 11. Beaten at home by Vancouver, four to three. College hoops. Manhattan upset Iona. Duke coast North Carolina tomorrow. Over 42 years, Mike Shashevsky has coached over 200 players. They have all been invited back for Coach K's final home game. The NFL says no more COVID protocols for 2022. It'll be like 2019, starting with off-season activities. France has eased its vaccine rules. That may allow Novak Djokovic to play the French Open. Rory McIlroy enjoys playing Bay Hill. He's finished in the top 10 five straight years. In opening round, seven under par, 65. McIlroy has a two-shot Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Amazon.com workers at a second facility in New York have won approval for a union election. The Amazon labor unions gathered enough signatures from workers at the LDJ5 warehouse in Staten Island to proceed with a vote, according to a National Labor Relations Board spokesperson. Workers at the Manhattan location of outdoor sporting goods chain REI voted to join a union, a first for that company. By an 86% majority, employees voted to join the retail, wholesale, and department store union. The REI union follows employees at a handful of stores owned by Starbucks. Governor Phil Murphy is including property tax relief checks in the annual spending plan he'll introduce next week. With an average of 700 bucks planned for New Jersey homeowners, making up to $250,000, renters would get about 250 bucks. Murphy's proposal would apply to 1.8 million residents. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm John Tucker for 1010 Winds in New York. I'm reporting parts of Wall Street are still buying Russian assets. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Workers are getting paid time off even before starting a new job. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. After an Ask No Questions property market, the UK finally moves to improve ownership disclosure with the reality of a Russian war. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting automaker shares fell Thursday on Stories about supply chains and Ukraine. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's just before 5.39 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. American lawmakers are tasked with addressing tough issues such as climate change and guns. But recently, both Democrats and Republicans have been trying to pressure banks into doing the job of affecting social and environmental policy for them. For example, some Democrats have proposed breaking up banks that fail to cut their lending to fossil fuels companies. Meanwhile, Texas recently passed a law denying municipal bond deals to banks that officials deem to be boycotting gun makers. Other states are looking to punish lenders that they believe discriminate against oil and gas businesses. In polarized times, it's a model that seems likely to spread and to backfire. Using banks as a political bludgeon will not further anyone's goals. 
Instead, lawmakers should be addressing the issues head-on, that is, through legislation. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or O-P-E-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are moving lower. We have S&P futures now down 28 points. Dow futures down 227. NASDAQ futures on the decline by 85 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 17.30 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Straight ahead, we look ahead to February jobs. Mark Vittner, senior economist at Wells Fargo, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny, upper 30s today. We'll turn cloudy tomorrow, upper 40s for a Saturday high. Scattered showers, breezy on Sunday with a high near 65 degrees. Right now, 21. That's it in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And stocks are falling along with U.S. stock index futures as war risks intensify after a Ukrainian nuclear power plant briefly caught fire. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 32 points. Down futures down 267. NASDAQ futures down 95. The DAX in Germany is down 3.1 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 18.30 seconds. Yield 1.77 percent. They yield on the two-year 1.48 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.9% up $2 at $109.67 a barrel. COMEX gold up 7 tenths percent or $13.40 at 1949.30 an ounce. The euro 1.1002 against the dollar. British pound 1.3314. And the yen is at 115.38. Checking Bitcoin this morning, it is Moving lower, down about nine-tenths of a percent at $41,730. And, of course, we're watching for the February jobs report today out at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. More on that fire you mentioned. Russian forces occupy the site of Europe's largest nuclear power plant today after an attack that ignited a fire at the complex in Ukraine. Emergency services extinguished the fire, and there were no casualties. Ukraine told the International Atomic Energy Agency the incident had not affected essential equipment and there had been no change reported in radiation levels. The Winter Paralympics are set to open in Beijing with the Russian athletes sent home. Meanwhile, with the Ukrainian team escaping a war zone, the head of the delegation says it is a miracle they got to China. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost, the Celtics won. In the NHL, the Islanders lost, the Bruins and Capitals won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Wells Fargo senior economist Mark Vittner joins us now on a Jobs Friday that really feels overshadowed by the war in Ukraine. Mark, it's good to speak with you this morning, although it feels weird to be talking about expectations for what we're going to get from the Labor Department when there's so much turmoil overseas. But what are you looking for? Well, we've uh, trimmed our our forecast back a little bit after we got that uh, uh, below, that really weak ISM services number yesterday. So we're looking for 
again, the 375,000 jobs. And uh, we're looking for a drop in the unemployment rate to from 4% to 3.9%. And, you know, a fairly decent increase in average hourly earnings, but it's probably going to come in a little shy of expectations because a larger proportion of the jobs that we're going to add are going to be in, in lower-paying industries like leisure and hospitality. So it doesn't sound like you're thinking the wages are going to keep up with the inflation rate when we get the CPI uh, later next week. No, no, no. That's uh, that is a uh, that's uh, that's uh, the other big issue of the of the of this year has been the, uh, the the surge in inflation and and not just the surge but it's it's breadth where it's not just one or two items it's ninety percent of everything in the CPI and uh, and what I think is going to, to the final surprise is the persistence I think that it's going to take quite some time for us to bring inflation back down. Are, do you think that we're close to maximum employment? I know Federal uh, Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell was asked that uh, during his congressional testimony. He seems to think that we pr- could be pretty close. Are, are you thinking that we're about we're pretty tight in this labor market? We're fairly close, but there's a large segment that, that hasn't come back yet, and that's folks who work in downtown areas. And we're, we're likely to see that uh, over the next three or four months as people return to the office and all that office adjacent employment at restaurants and bars and small businesses that that depend on office workers to as their as their primary customers, and we're, we're going to see that come back, and we'll also see business travel come back. I, I think I think once those industries return, we're going to see more people come back into the labor market as well. What do you think's been keeping people on the sidelines at this point? Well, I, a lot of the folks that have, have been um, elected to come back in the workforce are women, and they've, they've got children at home, and schools haven't been back in session on a consistent basis across the country. There's also been fears of, of um, contracting uh, COVID, and so folks, many folks have been reluctant to put their children in the daycare where they'd be around other kids and might bring the virus back home. So um, I, I think that, that the fears of COVID have subsided for now, and hopefully for for for, for a very long time, uh, and I think that we're going to see that uh, the folks are going to feel a little bit more confident about reengaging the economy. And so I, I think that's that's been the biggest roadblock to, to, for the economy getting back to where it was previously. Do you think this read on the labor market is going to matter for the Federal Reserve when there's so much focus now on the war in Ukraine and the uncertainty surrounding that? Well, it'll it'll certainly matter when they when they dig through the details. I mean, it's another piece of the puzzle. Uh, they seem pretty clear that they're on a course right now to to begin to remove policy accommodation. That was the wording that they used yesterday, that, that Paul used yesterday, and and I, I think that's that's very significant that that we're we're going to remove policy accommodation. So they're probably going to raise rates four or five times, and I, I know a lot of folks have been saying, oh, they got to raise rates seven times. I think the war in Ukraine takes that off the table, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they raised rates three or four times. It really depends on, on how long oil prices stay up around $110 or $120 a barrel because that's going to depress demand in the U.S. and around the world, and it's going to do a lot of the work that, that rising interest rates would have done. Just about 30 seconds left here, Mark. Do you see a recession risk for the U.S. given all the geopolitical turmoil? I still see that risk as being fairly slight. Um, there's, if when you look at the economy, household balance sheets are, are just incredibly strong. Corporate balance sheets are very strong. State and local government balance sheets are very strong. Um, and the only balance sheet that's not strong is the federal government. But uh, but they, in some ways, have unlimited resources. So, 
You know, I I um I don't think that the that, that a recession is in the cards this year and, and probably not next year. The other thing is that inventories throughout the economy are so low right now that production needs to run ahead of consumption and we need to rebuild inventory. So so I think that, that we've got a little bit of the wind in our back, even with all the uncertainty around the world. Fingers crossed that holds up. Thanks, Mark. Good having you on with us. Mark Vintner, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo. Karen. All right, Nathan, it is 5.54 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Among the stories we're watching this morning, a judge has temporarily blocked Texas's child welfare agency from investigating the parents of a transgender teenager over gender confirmation treatments, but stopped short are preventing the state from looking into other reports about children receiving similar care. The parents are the first to be investigated under Governor Greg Abbott's order that the agency investigate parents who are suspected of providing gender affer- affirmative treatments for child abuse. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Anthony Kreese, a professor at the Georgia State University College of Law. So a state court in Austin intervened and issued a temporary restraining order. Briefly, what was the basis of the judge issuing that order? The judge basically said that the investigation and the potential ramifications of such a prosecution for the parents, namely they could be on a child abuse list and the collateral consequences that can come from that, all weighed in favor of returning to the the status quo that existed before the Texas Attorney General and the Texas governor began their issuing of opinions and directives to investigate and prosecute these parents for providing gender-affirming care. And so essentially the judge saw that the risks to the parents here by far outweigh whatever interest the state had. And, of course, the interest of the children here is outweighed by whatever immediate action the state of Texas wanted to take. And so there will be a fuller hearing, and I think the court will then address more of the merits of the claims that have been brought by these anonymous parents. You mentioned that both the governor and the attorney general faced challengers in Tuesday's primary. And in a call with reporters on Wednesday, the top strategist for the governor's reelection campaign said that being against medical treatment for transgender children and treating it as child abuse was a winning issue for the governor. Why are the rights of transgender kids being treated as sort of a battleground for certain conservative groups? That's a great question. Certainly, I think that the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services here is being used in a way to turn its mission on its head and abuse children who are some of the most vulnerable children in American society. So that is just a sad display on its own. And the fact that there's smoking gun evidence here that political operatives see this as an opportunity that they need to grab onto is quite telling. The truth of the matter is that trans folks have been the kind of subject of political operatives, or I should say they've been in their sights for quite some time now. Um, We can go back to North Carolina just a few years ago when they passed HB2, which is the bill restricting bathroom access and keeping trans folks kind of relegated to second-class status. So using trans people generally certainly is not a new phenomenon. The focus on children does seem to be... 
And that's Anthony Grace, a professor at the Georgia State University College of Law, speaking at Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And uh, our top stories are straight ahead as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.